sometimes I think the fact that it has been difficult makes that reward quite sweet yeah. so you know it's been a lot to get here but I'm almost going to Antarctica like it's you know, something I never would have thought literally I don't think it would have entered my mind to go and do an expedition like this and then also just hopefully it opens up doors to others when I was in Greenland I got a little bit of frost nip on my nose and I was doing a mm. presentation and I showed the image and somebody said they've never seen somebody that looks like me with an injury like that another person said to me oh you know you don't really look like a polar explorer because people have a certain image in their minds and what I want to show is it doesn't matter what you look like you know let's break those barriers are what we think is the norm. You know, that person fits that role. Actually, you can fit any role. And yeah, um, yeah I really hope that people see that out of this. So, you know, while I might be the first woman of color to do a solo expedition on the continent, you know, I'm pretty sure I won't be the last. Hello and welcome to the Women of the Future podcast, a podcast made in collaboration with the Women of the Future programme, a platform built to unlock a culture of kindness and collaboration among leaders, as well as support and celebrate the successes of women. I'm Kim Rowell and I won the media category at their awards in 2018, in recognition of my continued work as a commissioner, producer and children's author, particularly within the mental health remit. I'll be talking to my guests on this podcast about their careers, who or what gave them their first big break, their successes, failures and inspirations along the way, and how they came to be a part of the Women of the Future Network. Self-titled Polar Preet Chandy is nothing short of extraordinary. A passion and expertise for tennis at an early age saw Preet move to the Czech Republic to attend Novak's Tennis Academy when she was just 16. A career in the Army Reserves and a degree in physiotherapy followed, but as her appetite for pushing and challenging herself grew, Preet went on to complete her first half marathon at 20 years old. From there, she progressed on to compete in ultramarathons and eventually joined the regular army in her late 20s, completing large-scale exercises and deployments in places such as Nepal, Kenya, and most recently, a six-month UN peacekeeping tour to South Sudan. Currently based at a medical regiment in the northwest of England, with a primary role as a clinical training officer, Preet recently completed her MSc in Sports and Exercise Medicine at Queen Mary's University, but might have to wait to attend her graduation ceremony. Forever interested in ways in which to push the human body to its limits, Preet will very shortly be arriving in Chile to undertake her biggest challenge to date, being the first woman of colour to complete a solo, unsupported trek to the South Pole, travelling over 700 miles, facing wind speeds of 60 miles per hour and temperatures as low as minus 50 before returning home with the intention of launching her own adventure grant for women. Captain Preet Chandy was shortlisted for the Asian Women of Achievement Awards in the sport category in 2020. You can follow Preet's adventures on her website, www.polarpreet.com. I was born in Derby and I lived in Derby up until I was about 14 years old. So I went to the junior school and primary school literally just across the road from me 
the high school again just across the road my granddad moved over from India when I was born he just visited before then but when I was born he was like yeah I want to stay now oh. and uh, and uh, yeah <laughs> and uh, so he basically raised me and um, when I was 10 I started playing tennis I mean my brothers both started playing I've got two older brothers all started playing and um, started playing quite competitively and then at the age of 14 I moved away from home and I went to Sutton tennis academy which is where I went to school part-time and played tennis regularly and then at the age of 16 I moved to Czech Republic and I lived there for three years before moving back to England so a little bit of traveling from Derby originally and you know still the place I call home my family have always lived here so come back regularly but moved around quite a lot when I was younger and when I came back to England when I was 19 I had minimal GCSEs, I had no A-levels, and that's when I saw an advert in town for the Army Reserves at the time, and I was just drawn to, it looked like something that was different to anything I knew really, so I decided to join. I didn't tell um, any of my family at the time because it was something very different, and you know, as an Asian woman joining, I knew that there'd be members who didn't want me to, to do that, so I decided to join and then tell people afterwards. Um, <laughs> which turned out to be a, just a, a great decision really joining and then gone on to the regular army and so much more but I feel like I've um, I've said more than you asked me that <laughs> <laughs> no it's all fantastic but just to roll back a little bit yes, and to yes. talk about the tennis I suppose in the yeah. first instance because you mentioned moving to the Czech Republic to Novak Djokovic's tennis academy right yeah yes yeah I but did, you, yeah. you must have been a phenomenal tennis player you know, it's funny looking back. I I mean, I was okay. I feel like I, I've always been quite consistent. And I think I remember like winning a lot of the matches that I won. And I always felt like I wasn't the better player, but I was just the stubborn one who didn't give mm. up. So, so they would end up losing the match rather than me winning it. And then, <laughs> and then I would win. So it's, it's a funny way to look at it. But yes, I always had a reasonable amount of stamina. And the things that I continue to do is always, I prefer like the longest run because I would find that that some people would get tired towards the end and I was still mm. doing okay so anything I do I always prefer the longer the better for me I feel like I'm in my element towards the end <laughs> <laughs> but also these are quite big things to do at a young age because to move away from your family home when you're 14 to move abroad when you're 16 and then to come back and figure out what to do with the rest of your life these are all quite seismic moments to do when you are really young do you think your so-called stubbornness has yeah. helped you to navigate that or they're all quite individualistic things aren't they really yeah I think I think it was quite difficult I I remember being very independent when I was quite young and I think you know I don't know if I really had much of a choice to be honest I was you know away from home at these places so yeah definitely very independent did it phase did it phase you though did it phase you at that age did you think oh this is scary um I think at times I felt a little bit lonely I think I didn't really know where I fit in if that makes sense so yeah I felt like a bit kind of the odd one out and especially when I came back to England I felt very very behind just in life in general to be honest Mm. I you know I was worried that I didn't have a way to get a decent job I was like I don't have education and even when I was doing my education I was part-time from 14 to 16 so I felt very behind I remember that year when I was back in 
England and uh, this is when I saw the army reserves as well and I said to myself I really want to concentrate get everything I need to get onto a degree and I wanted to do physio so I volunteered at the hospital once a week just taking the trolleys around I could <laughs> say I had hospital experience I shadowed as many physios as I possibly could got myself a job at Burger King I was doing my access course and I joined the army reserves as well so it was a busy year and getting onto my degree was one of the biggest achievements and getting my degree was still one of the biggest achievements because I didn't think I would I didn't feel very academic I was very nervous I was told I wouldn't be able to do it on my own as well so I think Mm. having someone else say to you that you don't have enough to do it especially when you're younger as well I probably didn't have as much confidence as I do now so definitely qualifying as a physiotherapist yeah is definitely one of my biggest achievements and it's like with anything the more you achieve the more you realize you're capable of so every kind of thing that I I have done I've achieved I'm like wow I've done that now like some of the things I'm doing now even three years ago I never would have imagined that I'd be doing these things but if you ask people where their glass ceiling is like at the time I would have said it would be literally amazing like I would never imagine myself as an officer in the army no way and you know that would have been my glass ceiling oh wow if I could be a physio in the regular army work with sports teams that would be my glass ceiling and then once I'd done that it moves you know and then I was like well what else can I achieve and I've been really fortunate to have some amazing opportunities And as you said, your appetite for challenges just starts to grow and grow and grow. I'm actually quite interested in the psychology to a point of, like you say, achieving something because you ran your first half marathon when you were 20. So that in itself is a feat, but then you've achieved that. And then is it the sense of, right, what's next? Or do you take some time to think that's amazing what I've just done congratulations to me kind of thing or do you is it literally because I heard when Andy Murray won Wimbledon you bask in the glory and the headlines and the attention and then you're like a bit of a downer really because you think well should I be planning the next thing is it like that for you yeah I think at one point so I remember doing my first half marathon there was a point in my life where I'd say to myself I'll do one big thing a year you know and that was that I'd do a half marathon I'd do a marathon then they got a bit bigger then I did an ultra marathon and then I did you know a multi-day ultra marathon in the desert and then it kind of got bigger from there but now to be honest I've kind of said why limit myself why Mm. only do one thing a year although sometimes I do have to uh, (laughs) I say to my partner that oh I want to do this and that he's like okay we'll do the first thing first (laughs) (laughs) maybe do your master's first before you're trying to do you know everything else you want to do which is fair enough but I think in terms of having that down period afterwards 100% because once you've just done something amazing it's like well what's going to that now you know (laughs) so I do like to keep pretty busy though so I will see when I get back from Antarctica but I have a feeling that it won't be my last expedition and I just feel like I'm at a place in my life now that I have so much confidence in myself and even if it wasn't the thing you know let's say I didn't go back to Antarctica again it'd be something else and I know it would be because now it just seems that the sky is the limit and there's always going to be the people that will doubt you or say you can't do it and you know a lot of the time it is those that are the closest to us or, or family members that mm. put those barriers in place either because it's just out of the norm for them it's something different or you know they're scared or they just don't want 
you doing something that is different that is out of that box and a lot of the time it's like oh, people just be like oh that's that's just pre you know I'm kind of the rebellious one the black sheep as it were but actually why not encourage people to do the things that are out of the norm and it's amazing when you do realize what you're capable of it's just you know I don't think I ever had that like light bulb moment but the more I'm doing it's like oh wow I can do yeah. that and then you get closer to it it doesn't seem like a big deal anymore because you're yeah. right that you're in it you know so Antarctica is like the prime example I didn't know anything about polar explorers polar history and funny enough on my website when I first decided to do this I remember writing I was inspired by past polar explorers and then I changed it because I was like that's not actually true because I didn't really know anything about them and it's funny yeah how you still try and fit into those norms because that's what I thought would be expected you know that's the Mm -hmm. norm that's what people would say and I was like you know stop trying to fit in to what other people might expect so you know I wrote the truth I wrote that I was inspired to do this because I didn't know anything about it. And I thought if I push my boundaries and push so far out of my comfort zone to do something I really didn't know much about, hopefully it will inspire others to push their boundaries and out of their comfort zone. And that could be anything. For me, at one point, it was gaining my degree. So it doesn't have to be some polar exhibition, but it literally could be anything, anything you want. It's really interesting to hear you talk like that. And one of the questions I normally ask is, is there a standout moment or a person that's helped set you off on this trajectory? And you were like you were just saying, there was no light bulb moment for you necessarily. But bringing it back, you now have the self-titled moniker of Polar Preet. You're currently training. This is this is just mad, mad. <laughs> for a 700 mile solo unsupported trek to the south pole later this year you're going to endure temperatures as low as minus 50 degrees centigrade and wind speeds of up to 60 miles an hour there's a 45 day trek when you complete it i'm not going to say if you'll become the first woman of color to have done it yes wow. yeah, first wow. woman of color to complete a, a any solo expedition on the continent right okay <laughs> that's insane but phenomenal again what was the inspiration Like you say you weren't necessarily inspired by other people that had done it previously and you had set yourself a challenge but this is not just any challenge but it's remarkable to you maybe not as remarkable as it is to me but how did it how did it even cross your mind were you reading something were you inspired how did it come about So I think for a long time, I knew I wanted to do something big and I just didn't know what it was going to be. It was going to be something solo and something that I organised myself. Now, I like long distance running. So people had said to me, oh, you know, what about doing a marathon in lots of different countries? And there was loads of running ideas. And my old boss a few years ago had mentioned Antarctica. And you know, when somebody mentions something, but you don't really think about it at the time. So straight away, put it out of my mind, you know, not a great skier. I haven't really done anything in the cold. So, and I'm not sure when it really came back to me. It obviously was there at the back of my mind somewhere. And I was like, okay, you know, Antarctica. I didn't know what I would do. I was like, can I run? (laughs) You know, how do I do this expedition? How does it work? Went online. I think with social media these days as well, it's great because you literally have so much information at your fingertips. So, you know, went online, looked at loads of different research, found the company that run a lot of the logistics out there. 
and asked them what expeditions people had done like you know what is available to you really and they got back to me and I didn't know who had done it previously you know I didn't know how many women had done it I didn't know that I'd be the first woman of colour to do a solo expedition on the continent and it went from there and I was like okay where do you start again no experience with this kind of thing so I um, I remember my first trip actually I was filling out one of the applications and it said have you ever been on a glacier or been ice climbing and I hadn't so I can be quite impulsive with my travel sometimes so I booked on a flight to Iceland rented a car just slept in the car for a few days as I was traveling along the coast booked with someone to go ice climbing and same with like walking on a glacier did that for a few days and then uh, yeah came back and then I had you know I'd done it <laughs> and, and tick the box I'd, yeah tick the box literally and tick the box and so I had now been ice climbing and walked on a glacier <laughs> like I said really didn't know much about and then I booked on a polar course which gave me a really good baseline in Norway and then I did another trip to Greenland in summer leave then I did a bit more a bit more and it's it's not been easy it was hard especially at the start you know the funding going to Greenland I used literally my life savings plus a lot more it took me about six months to pay that off my credit card and just yeah (laughs) getting everything you need and it's so much more than just the training you need to do the physical preparation you know the mental preparation and just Mm. the logistics of everything it's a lot however sometimes I think the fact that it has been difficult makes that reward quite sweet so you know it's been a lot to get here but I'm almost going to Antarctica like it's you know, something I never would have thought literally I don't think it would have entered my mind to go and do an expedition like this and then also just hopefully it opens up doors to others when I was in Greenland I got a little bit of frost nip on my nose and I was doing a mm. presentation and I showed the image and somebody said they've never seen somebody that looks like me with an injury like that another person said to me oh you know you don't really look like a polar explorer because people have a certain image in their minds and what I want to show is it doesn't matter what you look like you know let's break those barriers of what we think is the norm you know that person fits that role actually you can fit any role and yeah. um yeah I really hope that people see that out of this so you know while I might be the first woman of color to do a solo expedition on the continent you know I'm pretty sure I won't be the last And you do sound completely fearless in your approach, just ticking a box by climbing a glacier and heading off to Greenland (laughs) and all of that kind of stuff. But then you throw in COVID as well. How have your preparations been thwarted or how have you managed to navigate them around the pandemic? Yes, it was difficult with COVID. So um, last summer when I went to Greenland, Greenland opened up slightly just around August time logistically getting there it was made a lot more expensive because of Covid and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it I borrowed so much kit from just everyone I could and we had to go and obviously isolate there and come back and yeah that was quite a difficult trip not just because of like the logistics and everything else but we had seven eight days of storms where we were stuck in the tent at the end and then we were extracted off the ice so that was difficult in itself and then um Obviously, you know, you can't go out and and train as as you normally would. And then at the start of this year, I'm in a medical unit. So I was on 24 hours notice to move to go and vaccinate. And then I did start vaccinating as well. And even then, if I wanted to travel, I wouldn't have been able to travel because we couldn't. I remember I've been doing my master's part time. I finished now, but... I finished like a few weeks ago which is hey exciting. well done yeah I know. <laughs> so um I had exams in May and there was still snow in Scotland and I remember finishing one of the last exams I had at that time and then deciding to drive 12 hours to Scotland so I drove six hours from London to 
Preston, about just under six, um, had a nap for a few hours and drove all the way to Scotland with my skis and my ski boots and everything. And then because ski wasn't there until like a thousand meters, I, um, I'd have to trek for a few hours carrying everything on my back before I could get on skis to try and get some training in. So yeah, it was very difficult. And I wanted to do a trip to gain some solo experience in Europe, but as time went on and time went on and we still couldn't travel, you know, it was becoming a lot harder and it was just playing on the back of my mind. Luckily, in August, I got to go to Iceland and I went with my expedition manager and I managed to get the training done there that I needed to with the final bits of kit. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's been a challenge getting here, definitely. And, you know, COVID's been difficult for everyone in different ways. It really has, whether that's just the isolation part, you know, family and friends. It's just, yeah, it's been a difficult time. And it's interesting coming out of it. This is the most antisocial I mean, coming out of kind of lockdown period, this is the most antisocial I've ever been, which isn't like me at all. People are like, oh, you know, let's go do things. But yeah, this this is the most focused I've had to be, I think, just in terms of, you know, I'm training six days a week and then I'm shipping my kit and equipment out in a few weeks as well. So I'm just... <laughs> trying to get all of my kit and equipment together and I've never been so meticulous about anything as well so it really is attention to detail so yes I'm very excited to get there and start I think I'm more excited just about the fact that nobody can really get hold of me as well so you know oh. no access just uh yeah it's not going to be easy but it's also a simpler life I'm doing that one thing and that's what I'm concentrating on I'm not having to think about anything else hence why I wanted to complete my master's this year as well so I decided to do that in two years instead of four which there was a point it was very overwhelming <laughs> <But> I'm glad, <laughs> but, you know now I'm glad I've done it funny enough my graduation is on like the 10th of January and I don't think I'll make it back so I'm going to ask if I can graduate you know different courses graduate a little bit later so I'm going to ask if I can jump onto one of the other courses so that I can have my graduation as well you've got a fairly good excuse haven't you though yeah, yeah exactly yeah. I'm in the South Pole yeah. Yeah. when does it all start when are you planning on actually going and starting it all so I'm planning on leaving the UK around the 7th of November I will go to Chile which is where all my kit will be waiting for me and that's where I prepare all my food and take them out of their packets and Mm. you know lighten all of my kit as much as I can and then I'll start around the 21st of November. So exciting I can't imagine how you must be feeling it's goosebumps even thinking about it. I know yeah excited. Across all the work you've done maybe parking Antarctica for a second (laughs) is there any one thing in particular that stands out for you or that you're particularly proud of in your career? So I think when people ask me what I'm most proud of, it is still me gaining my degree. And I think just because I remember being told that I wouldn't be able to do that. And I still get all the time people say to me, oh, you can't do that now. But now I have a lot more confidence. And even though the expeditions get a little bit bigger or my challenges get a bit bigger, I realise that actually who knows what I'm capable of more than me. So I think actually, yeah, going back at, you know, at that age and people remember those comments, don't they? And, and a lot of the time you'll speak to people and whatever their profession is, a lot of the time I will hear people say, oh yeah, back in school, I was told that I wouldn't be able to do that. Or so-and-so told me I would never be able to achieve this. So it's little things that stick in your mind. You want to prove people wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you first hear about the Women of the Future programme and how have you been involved? 
I was fortunate enough to be nominated for the Asian Women Awards sports category, which I remember I was quite surprised, actually. I haven't really been involved in kind of awards like this at all. So it was great to be involved. And funny enough, I was still stuck in Greenland when the event was on. And um, because our flights were delayed and we were this tiny town and it didn't have much signal. So I didn't have enough connection to join in virtually. So my partner joined in virtually in the UK and he had his phone by by the computer so that I could listen in it's quite so, genius yeah idea. Yes, yeah I was there the best way I could be for the virtual event um and it's been it's been a great thing to be part of really just to I've, I've been part of like one or two of the virtual events other than that one and it's great to hear people from all different lives and connect with those people and hear their stories so it's been amazing to kind of meet a load of different people through that Right, I have some quick fire questions just to finish. If you're ready. Okay, <laughs> here we go. What would you describe as your greatest success? Uh, greatest success would be my degree. And your greatest failure? Um, I, sorry, quick, I'm just thinking quick fire. Um, no, no, I, you can elaborate, please elaborate. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know that I have a greatest failure purely because anytime I have failed when I reflect I'm glad that I have and I feel like I've learned a lot more on those occasions okay and do you see failure I suppose lots of people see failure as a learning point right you yeah. not necessarily achieved what you wanted but that's headed you off in a different direction and you've explored something else which might be even better so do you see it yeah. like that Definitely, 100%. Not always at the time, you know, I think mm. that's hard when you're in the moment and you haven't done the thing that you set out to achieve. But yes, in hindsight, without a doubt, I've always learned so much more from those failures. The mantra of Women of the Future is kindness and collaboration. What does that mean to you in both your personal and professional life? It means treating others like you'd want to be treated. And I think, uh, so from a professional standpoint, I think remembering where I started you know so when people come to me for advice and remembering how I felt and it's just those small comments or when somebody takes time out to help you even now you know when I was or as I was coming at the start into polar expedition world people who would take their time out to speak to me for half an hour and and how much that means to me so I think on a professional point just making sure that I can hopefully give the same back and give my time to people like others have given to me um, mm. and just remembering how that felt to me and on a personal level I think this kindness and collaboration I think the simplest way is like I said is treating others like I would want to be treated and it doesn't take a lot to be kind to people and collaboration like meeting all the women from the women of the future not all the women but um the women that I have met has been incredible from different lives different stories and when people ask me what inspires me it's other people pushing their barriers and that could be anything that could be the person who hasn't done a 5k ever before and you know they've trained and then they've completed that that is an amazing achievement so I think to me, it, um, yeah, it means giving other people time and treating them like you'd want to be treated yourself. And as much as your expedition is a solo one, I imagine you would never have got to where you are now, just about to go without having those collaborations, those really important people that are helping you or helping you facilitate you getting there, but also that you were talking about your mindset, you know, your mental well-being, how you're going to cope on being on your own. So that in itself is a collaborative process. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I know this is a solo expedition, but 
it's not really up until the point I'm on the ice there have been so many people that have helped me in so many different ways and nothing's too small no help is too small you know that person that's spent 20 minutes on the phone to me or a person that's helped me a lot more with my kit and equipment my coach like it's yeah they have all helped me so much and yeah we can do so much more together than we can alone you know so I think collaboration is very important and it's helped me all along I've talked about the people who haven't believed in me but actually you know I remember joining the army reserves at 19 and I remember the people that did see the potential in me and put these opportunities towards me I remember the person that suggested that you know wanted to nominate me for these awards and I was like oh really you know have have I done enough and then you know I remember when I became a finalist as well and I was really excited about it so yeah I think collaboration is very very important in that sense is there anything that scares you there's loads of things that scare me not achieving my goals you know not making it and as they get the goals get bigger they gain a lot more traction from other things but that doesn't stop me from doing it I think it's good to have fear because actually you know then you're stepping out of your comfort zone and actually I find if I'm scared of something I'll probably be a little bit more prepared because I know that I'm not the expert so yeah and do you have any fear around the expedition at all or are you just using it as fuel to give you the momentum to do it and to keep going? Yes, I think I am using it as fuel. I think I'm trying to be as prepared as I can, but you can't prepare for everything. There will be days where the weather is that bad. It's, you know, a whiteout, it's super windy and it's probably just a little bit miserable. And I think the thing I always say to myself is you can't control external factors. So I can't control the weather. However, I can control the internal factors. I can control what I do about it and how I let it affect me. So I think I am, you know, scared that there'll be moments like that, but hopefully I've prepared for them and I'll just keep going back to that mindset or if I have a problem with my kit and equipment I have a satellite phone so there's people that I can call on that for advice making sure all this time beforehand that I actually know all of my kit and equipment like um like I know nothing else like we're best friends um giving some of my kit names as well I think it's quite (laughs) nice so like you know my skis just make making it personal so um my pork which is my sledge is called Simran who's my uh, 10-year-old niece. And um, yeah, and it it would just be funny because bless her, you know, I'm always waiting for her when we're doing stuff. So I'll just be like, come on, Simran, hurry up. (laughs) As my pork, yeah, as my pork (laughs) is slowing me down. (laughs) And now um, I've got a nephew as well, who's just a few days old, uh, whose name's Gurunabir. So I think he might be my skis, might write his name on my skis. (laughs) And it's a way of having that humanizing factor with you too, when you need it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really nice. What is left on your to-do list? Yeah, so much. (laughs) It it feels like it's just getting bigger, you know? I was like, oh, maybe I could write a book. And again, somebody who still doesn't feel like they're fantastic at writing. But now when I say it, I'm like, why not? And and that's not something I think I need to do in the next year or year after that. But eventually, why not? Maybe I'll climb an 8,000 metre mountain, you know? I think, yeah, there's just so many possibilities. I am creating a... So when I was applying for um, funding from people and I was looking at different grants out there it made me decide to create an adventure grant of my own so I have a GoFundMe page on my website and 50% of that goes to the expedition and then the other 50% as soon as I'm back I'll create the charity that sets up this adventure grant for women and it's for women that want to do a unique adventure and hopefully sometime next year when it's all set up people will be able to apply for that and get funding for whatever unique adventure it is they want to do and yeah and like I said hopefully it would just inspire people to get out 
out there and do whatever, whatever it is. It could be literally anything, you know, I want the application to be some kind of video recording. I'll need loads of help setting this up because <laughs> again, I don't know a huge amount about how to even set this up, but I have the idea and that's what it all starts with, doesn't it? It starts with an idea and I've got enough funding to kind of give the first grant now as well. So as soon as I'm back from Antarctica, I'll start setting that up. We will make sure that that website is in the show notes if anyone, <laughs> anyone wants to navigate there Thank and you. go and find that. sounds amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much. Free, even just talking to you makes me feel really happy and puts an enormous smile <laughs> on my face. I hate, I'm, I'm sure you do that with pretty much everybody that you come across. But thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to me. And the best of luck but I've got a, a real sense that you don't need luck you seem that you've got <laughs> steely determination and no one would ever bet against you but I genuinely hope you have the best time and it's everything that you hope it will be and more but thank you today for taking the time uh, not at all thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Woman of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, why not give us a rating and review? You know you want to. For more about the Woman of the Future Awards, network and initiative, please visit www.womanofthefuture.co.uk. See you soon.